Hello and welcome to the Marvels of Science, a new podcast about the science and tech of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All your favorite heroes and villains from Black Widow and Ant-Man to Loki and Ultron. Speaking of everybody's favorite murder bot, today's topic is a pretty particular aspect of the events of Avengers Age of Ultron. One tiny scene, actually. Here with me to talk about that scene is Chad Walling, our science expert today, a software engineer who said he's the wrong kind of engineer for this topic and then sent me 500 words on what he does know. So that feels close enough for me. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. Thank you for having me. And our color commentator is Caitlin Levine, a social worker who isn't familiar with computer engineering or the MCU. In short, a perfect color commentator. Thanks for being on, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. Usually what you do when you have an expert guest is you demonstrate their expertise. Say, here's why you should care about what this person is saying, and here's what they said. And I did the opposite to you, Caitlin. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I actually am kind of relieved to hear you say that you know that I know nothing about the internet and know nothing about Ultron. Because <laughs> I know nothing about either. So I'm not disappointing anybody, I guess. There's a lot to unpack with Ultron, the big bad evil guy from the second Avengers movie, Age of Ultron. It's probably not anyone's favorite Avengers movie, but it's got a lot of great character moments, though its plot is pretty by the numbers. Tony and Bruce, that is Iron Man and the Hulk, create a super intelligent AI that's supposed to be able to protect the world, but winds up, of course, trying to destroy it. Voiced by James Spader and written by Joss Whedon, Ultron is sort of a depressed, quippy, pretty underdeveloped villain. Nobody has to break anything. Clearly you've never made an omelet. But who cares? We get to see Captain America do a triple sow cow and smash a robot in the head. It's a great movie. Uh, sidebar, if I can snag an expert in artificial intelligence, we should absolutely talk about that on a future episode. Uh, email me at dreinersman at gmail.com. But for now, I just want to talk about one aspect of the movie, one just about 20-second scene. But before we get to it, Caitlin, start us off. You're not a software engineer, but you're presumably aware of the internet. Are you a fan? Should we, you know, keep it? I mean, like, I guess, you know, without thinking too hard about it, my first answer would be yes, for sure. Because as we were talking about um, before we started recording, my Christmas was really brought to you by the internet or brought to me by the internet. Um, I feel like 2020, you know, was really saved by the internet. So I'd say yes, let's keep it. That's a fair point. I often thought about how the pandemic would have gone even just 10 years ago when bandwidth couldn't handle things like 100 million people doing video chat all the time. I'm going to test you a little bit real quick, but no pressure. Here's, I think, what sounds like an easy question, but is probably more complicated than it seems. Caitlin, what is the internet? Oh my gosh. I knew you were going to ask me this and I honestly resisted the urge to like quickly Google like <laughs> what is the internet? <laughs> um, so what I know about the internet is that information goes back and forth between, I don't know, receptors, servers. Um, and like I always liken it to that part of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory you know, where they're like taking the photos of my TV and he's like, and it's up in the air in a million little pieces and then it'll come right back down. I guess like I kind of thought the internet was like information being sent from one place to another. 
And like, in the meantime, it's in a million little pieces above our heads. That, I... Kind of. That's kind of right, <laughs> as far as I know. I mean, my level of understanding of the internet, that's amazing. That Willy Wonka defined <laughs> the internet. <That's... laughs> photograph something, then the photographs are split up into millions of tiny pieces, and they go whizzing through the air down to your TV set, where they're all put together again in the right order. Uh, Chad, help us out. Uh, what's your definition of the internet? Maybe not Willy Wonka's, but somebody else. I don't really know how to define a protocol, but... The internet is using what's called the IP protocol, which is a method for transfer. TCP IP is a method for transferring data from server to server. To do that, it uses routers to determine the destination. And that could be one router to another router, or it could be straight to the endpoint server. And that information goes back and forth and what are called packets, which are basically data in bit form so zeros and ones and that gets you know transformed into your your data stream which would be your web page but what we call internet is you know more than just browsing on the web it's all manners of data that gets transferred over this protocol you could think of it like a, a giant train system think of like europe you know have, you have all these trains connecting the various cities and each city would be a, its router or server. So you have to go from router to router, and you're trying to go from London over down to like Rome. How would you get there? What servers, what routers would you hit in order to get there? Okay. So the reason that we called it an information superhighway for a while is right. because that kind of works. Kind of, yeah. It's a giant highway of data. So for instead of things passing through in physical form, those are passed at the speed of light or near speed of light through fiber optics. The cables used for internet have been around for years. They, they existed before the internet existed because how, how would you be able to call someone on the phone from the States over to like England? Uh, they had to lay down those wires. One of my favorite stories, news stories from a few years ago was that the internet was being attacked by sharks. Um, I think it was like three, three or four years ago where like the undersea cables were being bitten apart by sharks and like, the internet was in danger, sort of, or some people's connectivity would be in danger because of sharks biting through cables. <laughs> I would honestly believe it, probably. I didn't know about that, but I know so little about the internet, or at least I did before five minutes ago, that I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> they totally make sense. Think of the internet as just a new form of calling someone. It's using those same wires. The telecommunications companies own those wires. So to the movie, real quick. In a few conversations, the Avengers refer to Ultron existing in and moving around the internet. While he's in there, he's apparently trying to find and decrypt nuclear codes because it's a standard bad guy move. Side note, I'm assuming, hoping, there are no nuclear codes stored on computers connected to the internet in real life. If anyone out there knows any differently, please do not tell me. That was dramatic. Chad, here's a computer science 101 question, I assume. What is the difference between the World Wide Web and the internet? Okay, uh, I, I guess the simplest way of thinking about it is addresses. Uh, each computer, each location on the internet has an IP address. You don't necessarily have to be serving up a web server. You have to just have an IP address. The World Wide Web is uh, just another way of talking about web servers in, in a fancier term. And web servers themselves are given what's called uh, domain names. Those are hosted by your domain name server, which says that 
IP address 1.1.1.1 goes to google.com. That's not Google's IP address, but we can say it is. So that when you go to google.com, the name server says that, oh, you wanted to go to google.com. Let me actually encode this correctly to be, oh, you're you're wanting to go 1.1.1.1. Okay, so if our analogy for the internet is the train system or the highway, then our analogy for the World Wide Web could be like the postal service and everything that goes along with that. The actual having addresses on buildings right. and, and being handed a packet to a postal worker who then routes it through the internet to deliver it and they slap a barcode on that package. I was wondering if possibly I had understood Chad correctly and am now thinking like you can use the internet without accessing the World Wide Web. Yes, you can. So like the World Wide Web is kind of like a part of the internet. Like you can be on the internet without being on the www, but you have to be on the internet to be on the www. Yes. I'm calling it that because it's fancy. <laughs> I do enjoy that, by the way, that www is uh, an initialism for a thing that takes longer to say than the thing it's abbreviating. <laughs> yeah. I know. I started to say it was like, I'm actually going to stumble over my words here i could just say world wide web um i i I had that question there because a lot of times what happens in movies is they use those terms interchangeably they'll refer to the web and the net in fact in ultron they 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 say the net over and over again not the internet and maybe it's just because they don't want to say internet 15 times in like a two-minute scene i don't know but it is awkward that's like the third time i've kind of busted on joss whedon and i don't mean to he seems nice and pretty weird Back to Ultron. Is that why you've come? To end the Avengers? I've come to save the world. But also, yeah. He's trying to get those nuclear codes, right? And some other hacker is stopping him in the way that movie hackers do. So what Tony does, he goes to the Nexus to find out who this other hacker is that's helping them out. And this is the scene that confused me. This is where I raise an eyebrow. The Nexus is described as, I want to quote here. Well, I contacted our friends at the Nexus about that. Nexus? It's the World Internet Hub in Oslo. Every byte of data flows through there. Fastest access on Earth. That sounds insane to me. Caitlin, here's another trivia question for you. What do you think is the total number of bytes per day that sort of make up the Internet? How much data is transferred every day, every YouTube video and Netflix series and email and image and program and everything. What's your guess for per day? Uh, 68 trillion bytes. <laughs> what? What am I even saying? <laughs> 68 trillion is a very big number. That'd be 68 terabytes per day. But it's weird that you're not that far off. It's super tough to get the accurate estimates of that. One that I found claims that every second there's about a terabyte. That's 1,000 gigabytes of internet traffic. That's 86 million gigabytes. So, Caitlin, you, if anything, underestimated that. Another estimate said about 6 billion gigabytes per day. And Cisco, their annual internet report, they count roughly three internet-connected devices per person globally. So about 24 billion in total. So suffice to say, the internet is, you know, big it's big it's large chad is there any connection that could carry that much data through one location like the nexus in the mcu i'm gonna go with hard uh i want to go i don't want to say no i just feel like like i i don't know the current age of our infrastructure kind of like you mentioned there are cables underneath the ocean i mean 
how often are those looked at? When were those laid? Like, so if we're still using, say, cables that are 30, 40 years old, yeah, we're, we're on old infrastructure, but given the amount of data, like you said, that we're still trans- transferring, it seems like there's a pretty high threshold. It's not insignificant that the amount of data that we're sending over is still getting through okay. Like kind of what we mentioned earlier with COVID, the pandemic really hitting hard with everyone being at home on Zoom and other teleconferencing tools. They're streaming nonstop. The amount of data that we we go through each day is amazing, especially given that we're still on the cusp of really understanding this technology. You're saying that it's perhaps possible. It's perhaps possible, yeah. Could exist, but like, would it be efficient? Like, and does it exist in Europe today? It's just a matter of, I don't know enough about our infrastructure to say if we could theoretically pipe every piece of data we use through one location. But- we don't, is the question, right? We do not. <laughs> okay, because it would be insane, right? It would be highly inefficient and probably <laughs> stupid. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. Okay, well, now we're just calling Joss Whedon names. <laughs> Caitlin, I don't know the answer to this next question, so don't worry. When you send an email, let's say from Virginia to California, what's the path it takes? Oh, no. I mean, I guess I'm just going to go back to my, you know, like security blanket for internet questions, which is like, I guess when I press send, it like (laughs) goes up in the air and like swirls above my head. And like, maybe now that I've heard Chad talk about the wires, (laughs) (laughs) maybe, maybe the the information i don't know does it like turn into a bunch of binary and then like shoot through some wires if i had to like write an essay about it for credit that's probably what i would try (laughs) to spin into an answer (laughs) so chad the basics of that are right right we're we're converting the letters and spaces and punctuation of, of the email into binary plus i assume some stuff on the front and the back saying hey this is an email take it to this person right but what is a packet is the question. When you interact on the internet, you're making requests or you're getting responses. When you're sending an email, that's kind of a request. Each request depends on what protocol you're dealing with. When you're browsing web, that's the HTTP uh, protocol, hypertext, uh, TP. Transfer. Yeah, transfer protocol. When you're using email, it's usually SMTP. So uh, simple mail transfer protocol, I believe. Mel? Whoa. Those are still built onto the standard TCP IP protocol. The internet is all the highways and roads and railroads and all that stuff. Packets are the cars. When you're transferring data, it's bundled up in these packets that get sent over and they have headers which describe what that data is sent to the server at the destination. That server verifies the header and basically handles that packet based upon the header that's it's received. So just like sending memos in a super large office or whatever, there's a CC line that says, take this to not just this, the top person, but all these other people. And then there's a subject. And when it gets there, somebody in the administration is going to throw in this pile or that pile or that pile. And this one's an email and this one's a YouTube video. And- right, to some degree. That's kind of, kind of right. I think we can we're perfectly comfortable living in analogy here. So in the MCU, then, an email that's sent from, let's say, Zambia to Chile goes through Norway every time. Yes. Because every piece of data goes through this one building. Would the distance be a problem there? Like, 
if I'm in Zambia and I'm sending an email to Chile and it gets routed through Norway, does my email take, how much longer does my email take than if it were sent directly? Is the problem the distance or something else? It's still going to be milliseconds. You know, everything is being transferred at near speed of light. That's not the way it is everywhere because when you're going from your house to the main router nearest you, there's going to be some amount of copper in there. Obviously, like, you know, we're talking about if you're on Verizon, you're under fiber optic cables to some Verizon hub, but you're still going to have some amount of infrastructure in the way to get to your endpoint. Um, there's going to be some wiring here or there that's not fiber optics. Let's say everything is fiber optics. There's still the matter of each time you ping a new router, it has to figure out what to do. That takes time. Okay. So it's a bit like you're changing highways and there's an exit ramp. Yeah. You got to figure out what to do, slow down, turn around exactly. a bit. And, okay. You know, every highway is Autobahn. You're going 150 miles an hour. Every time you take an exit, you're getting onto another highway that goes 150 miles an hour. Yes, every highway is going 150 miles an hour. Every now and then you have to take an exit because you have to go from router to router to router to finally get to your destination. I was just thinking about how, like, I guess our metaphor of the post office in this situation Oslo is it would be like if we had one post office for like literally every single piece of mail in the whole world. Yes. It would be super, super stupid to do that because <laughs> it would be highly inefficient and it would just be clogged all the time, right? Like it kind of seems like what we have right now, anyhow, but worse. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like if a new administrator came in and changed how everything works intentionally to slow things down. Correct. And everyone decided that because there's a pandemic. We should right. stay home and melt everything to everyone and basically clog down that postal service. And here's the moment when I realized just now that an SMTP protocol, the M is mail as in postal mail. Yes. And earlier, I thought you said mel, and it's maybe <laughs> an accent thing. Oh, <laughs> it probably <laughs> is my, my <laughs> southern accent. Because you're from Texas, and I thought you were from Philly. It, it comes out every now and then. I, I do not like it, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I just use context clues. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I failed miserably at that. So until we have like a solar system spanning internet, the speed of light is not going to be a problem for our tiny little planet. But it's just that we have to keep telling these things where to go because we don't want to have a wire going from every person's house to every other person's house. Correct. You have to have some routing system. Like, I mean, just like with the mail, you have to have some way of going from your postal service drop box at the corner to the one in the city to Oslo. Always through Oslo. Dave, I actually feel kind of bad for making fun of you about the mail mail thing, because if we had not just had that conversation, I probably would not have known what Chad had just said. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize. We've also got to change our target from Joss Whedon to Chad. Sorry about that, guest. <laughs> so is that where lag comes from when, let's say, you're on a Zoom call? Is is the lag there because it's being routed and being told where to go 15 times between me and the other person? It's a combination of that and what's called data loss. You're probably familiar with the fact that when you're transferring data across streams, data gets lost. Uh, we don't have truly perfect uh, lossless mechanisms of transferring information. That said, fiber optics is really good about it, but it's not 
perfect. There's going to be packets dropped. That could be, even be locally, like getting from your computer to the Wi-Fi. Even if you're hard, hardwired, there's going to be packets lost because that information just gets dropped in the ether. The ether. But like, is it, this is easily the dumbest question yet. Buckle up. Is, is it that like, <laughs> I, I, can't, I don't even know if I can say this out loud. It's not falling out the side of the wire. I mean, sending power over a line, literally heat bleeds off the side of the wire. And some of the power you sent originally from the power plant doesn't make it to my light bulb because it literally comes out the side of the wire. But that's actually a great analogy of it, though. Really? Yeah, because it's still using that electricity as a transmission form. It's still using these telecommunication wires as its form. Think of like when you're on a call right? You're on a cell phone call. Someone's coverage drops out. It's the same idea, same concept. It's That's because the data just gets lost. They're still speaking into the microphone. This, the data is still getting sent from their phone, but it's getting lost because it's not getting through to the endpoint. Obviously, cell phones a lot different than wired. And it's not just data. It's also a competition. Okay. You're, you're not the only one using that wire. You know, millions of, you know, billions of other people that are sending their data across these wires. Okay. So in our analogy, is it like along the highway where there's d packet loss or is it at the routing at the exit ramps? I, I, I imagine that if this was a real highway, there'd be a ton of accidents, but you know, yeah. for some reason, those wrecks are get cleared away. Like the, I guess the ambulances and the fire trucks are really efficient. They travel at the speed of light too. Right. Yeah. I think what we're now doing is we're writing Tron. You've just invented the movie Tron, making highways and light there cycles. are now ambulances and there. Yeah. So I have a question in this conversation about the packets, like dropping off. I was thinking about how in my line of work, there's a lot of, oh, I sent you an email. I guess you didn't get it. So, I mean, does this principle of like data loss apply also to particular <laughs> pieces of communication like that or can i just like roll my eyes when people say they don't get my email like what should i believe yeah can can packet loss account for an entire email or two and how come i guess if there's if there is packet loss and i am sent a very large email there isn't a paragraph missing email it works differently it's going to retry on its own uh, mm -hmm. until it gets all the information it needs i guess since, since it's not a netflix show that once that moment of TV has passed, I can't just, I can't pick that up after the fact. It has to present it, so to speak, live. It's sending it and, and my eyeballs are receiving it more or less in the same moment. So it can't go back and add it back in. So maybe in the first couple of attempts, it's having trouble getting through on this email. But because it knows what the original message was, it's going to keep resending that until it gets through. More, more likely, you're going to have more issues actually hitting the send button on your web page and having that not respond. Because once it's on the server, the server will keep, again, trying to send that out. It's not so much you sending the email, it's this Gmail server sending the email. Right. Right. That's why you phrased the fact that sending an email was actually a request, because you're requesting that the server do something for you. Right. Oh, the button should say like request send. <laughs> <laughs> Something more polite. Captain America, God's righteous man, pretending you could live without a war. I can't physically throw up in my mouth. Uh, later in the movie, to return to Ultron, Vision. Uh, I'm not going to explain Vision. Just watch the movie. Um, Burns. It's just, it's, that's, that's 
past this. I, I, I'm not going to find a science expert who can talk about how to create life from lightning and robots. Um, <laughs> Vision, quote unquote, burns Ultron's presence out of the net so he won't escape through there. That doesn't... <laughs> That, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. that doesn't make any sense to me even a little i don't even know what they mean chad what's your most charitable explanation of what they might mean by that the internet is just a way of transferring data that data has to live somewhere it's not just going to be living in the tubes so to speak the data has to live somewhere and if your data you can be deleted so in my mind oh. that's kind of what it is you're just deleting okay. the data just delete the AI uh, code and you're, you're okay. Well, what happens wow. in the movie is that Vision sticks his hands into Ultron's face. And then we see the internet turn from goldish color to blue. Actually, it might be blue to gold. I, it changes colors. I can't remember the direction the color changes. So I am thinking of like back when I was like learning to use the internet, you know, and my dad being like, everything you put in the internet stays there forever. Never, like, release any identifying information. Like, never put anything out there that you wouldn't want the world to read because it stays there forever and it'll always be retrievable. But what I'm hearing is that maybe Vision could come, like, blast something into, I don't know, my MySpace and it would be gone. <laughs> or, like, I don't know, so things can be deleted from the internet is what I'm hearing Chad say. Like, it's it's possible? Yes, Uh Technically, you can delete anything. Again, it's just data stored on servers. If you delete the data from the server or remove the server, it's not there anymore. I actually have my own website, but I'm not hosting anything. So I used to host chadwalling.com. It's no longer there anymore because I've deleted it. It's it's not accessible anymore. I still have the data on one of my computers at home, but it's not hosted anywhere accessible on the internet. Mm. It's like GeoCities was a popular, like everyone used it to do their homebrew website. It's gone. Uh, and the way, but you can't access it through archive sites. But if you wanted to go to geocities.com, someone's website there, it's no longer there. The domain's gone. Uh, the data's gone. And it can't be retrieved even by the most capable and competent internet master? No, it's the, wow. the servers are down. Uh, the information's archived somewhere. There are archive websites that actually will go through and archive stuff. And that basically means what they're doing is downloading the entire website and rehosting it somewhere else. Correct. Google actually does it to a minor degree. They'll host like past versions of websites. So if you go to try to go to a website, they're like Google will be like, oh, here's what it used to look like. This was an old version of this website. And what's happening is on the server, which is basically just, it is a, a server is just a computer with a whole lot of storage and a whole lot of power. Correct. That's someone has gone in and literally just deleted the data that was that website, the images on the website and the text and deleted it, or yeah. just unplugged the thing and stuck it in the closet. Unplugged the thing and stuck it in the closet. That's kind of what I did. Next up, we have a segment, the segment in the show called, hmm, technically, uh, Caitlin and I keep quiet as Chad gives us some nuance or details or anything related even tangentially to the topic. So Chad, whenever you're ready, take it away. As we've discussed, the internet is a bunch of wires and tubes that go from router to router, server to server, and you could theoretically pipe everything through one location. Should you? Probably not. Can you? 
Uh, yes, but currently no, just because the telecommunications own everything. We have what are called tier one networks. They're owned by AT&T. Comcast is actually not a tier one network. It uses other tier one network for its information. You're buying from Comcast, but Comcast is also buying from someone else, those internet cables. So you could pipe everything through there. You probably shouldn't want to do that because that'd be highly inefficient to route everything from one geographic location even though everything goes through SBLite. I think the other thing was going to this hub location to sniff out where Ultron was. It's kind of possible, but it kind of gets the, the idea of Ultron is not just, he's, he's not just living in the internet. He has to reside somewhere. From an internet's perspective, he has to live within a server somewhere. He can't just live in the pipes. He has to go from endpoint to endpoint as packets, you know, we've discussed packet loss, like he has to be able to get around that. And obviously he's a hyper-intelligent AI. So he'd have to send his entire data set, which is has to be massive across the internet. And anyone that's downloaded from BitTorrent knows that it takes a long time to download stuff, one, one or two packets at a time. If you have a direct stream from one server to another, you're going to be transmitting that data as fast as the internet will allow you. So it has to be something huge because it's an AI, all-knowing AI has to have a huge amount of data. It would have to be just insane for him to be able to jump from server to server instantaneously and just kind of hide somewhere. Again, once he's at a server, no one knows what server he's at. You'd have to go to another server, like Tony Stark goes to the hub to figure out where he goes. He probably looks at the logs. And like The log says that a very large package of 100 terabytes went from Zambia to Japan. I'm going to take a wild guess that that was Ultron. Is that what happened in the movie? Probably not, but that's kind of how I see it. It's kind of you to try to give them some excuses to work around, I think. It's about as far as I can get. Yeah. It's not ideal, I guess, to, you know, to have the hub. It's not. It's kind of benign of them how to, to envision that this sentient being is living within the web as opposed to just bouncing from place to place. There's a neat, I think they have a silly acronym for it. Sometimes the fastest way to transmit an enormous amount of data is physically. Mm-hmm. Like put it on a thumb drive and walk it across the street is going to be faster than emailing it to my neighbor if I want to bring them like a DVD's worth of data. Mm-hmm. Hi, it's Editing Dave here. The word I couldn't remember during the recording isn't an acronym, actually. It's called the sneaker net. It's got a pretty interesting Wikipedia page, but I first saw it on Randall Monroe's What If blog in an article called FedEx Bandwidth. Okay, back to the podcast. That's kind of what we're kind of getting at with the whole idea of a hub, one single hub being the arbiter of every information stream going through. Is it be highly inefficient because the internet itself currently, it's not that efficient as we would believe it to be. So if we get the entire world covered by fiber optics, we're still going to have this problem because it still needs to be routed. Yes. Maybe if we had like a super low latency mesh network uh, that just envelops the earth, that might be useful, but... It might get in the way of like kites. It would be pretty awful. Yeah, but which, I mean, honestly, which would you rather have, kites or the internet? (laughs) Kites. Definitely kites. Yeah. Okay, well, that's where we've landed then. We prefer kites over the internet. Let's get rid of it. I want to be clear, as always, that I love these movies. 
scientific accuracy is not a necessary component for good storytelling, and in fact, sometimes it gets in the way. It's just fun to tease them. I want to thank my guests, Chad Walling, Caitlin Levine, for being on the podcast. Thanks for listening out there, and cross your fingers that there's an episode four. Thanks very much. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. That's all for this episode. Thanks once again to my guests, Caitlin Levine and Chad Walling. Their willingness to put themselves out there and engage in this ridiculous exercise means a lot to me. MCU audio clips were taken from Avengers Age of Ultron, Thor 2, The Dark World, and yeah, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And all used entirely without permission. Please don't sue me. The music is a song called On Tiptoe from Purple Planet Music. That song and more royalty-free music can be found at purple-planet.com. And not to brag, but just to clarify for the sake of the credits, all other aspects of the production, including research, writing, and editing, were done by me, Dave Reinersman. Thanks for listening.